the sensitive stuff. Well, we could talk cryptically in code if you want. Well, <laughs> I think some of our questions, you know, as, a, as some of my most beloved friends, you know, have been vaccine injured. Hmm. Okay, there we go. We just got dis we just got censored. <laughs> you guys already started it, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Is it illegal now in our community to talk about vaccine injuries? Of course it is. I'll take it a step further, but if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. Uh it is now to the point where you cannot ask someone if they've been injected. But that's all they asked us a year ago. No, but that's That the was point. the only thing is, are you or are you not? Yeah, you can't come in here if you're not. Yeah. And now it's verboten. Yeah. Don't so, speak of it. Yeah. So let me, I want to get back to, I wanted to. But we have to remember that that spirit still pervades. Yeah. So uh, whether it's retreated or not, we, how, do we, how do we therefore live? I want to share with you guys something. That I, he did all the talking know. upstairs, and I listened, and now yeah, I'm no, doing no, all the talking. Okay, no, it's, it's my turn. Hang on. <laughs> Quick backstory. I left Idaho to come here. Oh, yeah. And Bud left here to go to Idaho. I just wanted to get that out off my chest <laughs> and, and pay $50 a year. Anyway, I, that's, I'm going to have to, I have to forgive you. So anyway, I remember. Did I, you know that we have pending legislation to make the mRNA shot illegal in Idaho? Illegal. No. This is probably as good of a time as any to. <laughs> well, we could dilute it because we also, there was a big drag pride parade that was going to be held in Boise. And enough people spoke up that the parade was canceled. You find me a city in the United States that has had a gay parade shut down in the last five years. What, what, what city was this? Boise. Oh, Boise. Boise is the liberal part of Idaho, but outside of that, there's just, we have sheriffs. We have local sheriffs that will enforce the law. And pedophiles are in every city in, in the United States. And they're feeding in our, in our health system and in our Department of Education. You don't have to subject your, your soul and your children to that culture and that environment. You don't have to. Some states are going to continue to do that. And other states are going to pull back. Abortion is no longer legal in Idaho. Our taxes do not pay for abortions in Idaho. Where do you want your tax dollars to go? Hawaii is going to become a sanctuary state for abortion and transgender pride parades. That's the direction of this culture. That's where it's going. Get ready for it. I praise the Lord that there are other cultures that are not going in that direction. And that's, that's where I want to raise sheep. D don't you understand what I'm saying? Why this is good? I see the heads nodding. You, you see that a, any shepherd would say, let's get, and I don't want to be the guy that's leading over, oh, that's greener pasture there and greener pasture there, but, but a, a tactical and wise method of building, the battle has to continue in Hawaii. You understand? There has to be a resistance. There has to be the fostering of, of, a, of a kind of church, a community of believers that can be one together, but can be sustained outside of the system in which they're going to trap you. You won't be able to buy or sell.
Ultimately, that's with the mark of the beast, but that's going to happen before the mark of the beast. Right? That it those, already has. It, yeah. those, those programs may be in order for 20 years before the mark of the beast. We don't know that. So how should we then live? Live free. Pray for our nation and migrate to those areas that freedom may reign and we will cling to the heritage that God has given us because God help us if we don't take the heritage of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and use it to the fullness that God gave it to our generation, we will not be innocent. We have to stand for the hope of the kingdom of God and any remnant that might be left within the ashes of the United States of America, whatever hope there may have been, it's important it's, it's uh, important for us to continue to hope. But in Hawaii, I don't believe there is an opportunity for that. I don't believe our government will ever change. I believe our government will, is magnetized toward the World Economic Forum and toward the World Health Organization, which is even now making motions to have sovereignty over the United States of America. Guess what? Not in my neighborhood. But coming soon to a theater near you. All the things that they tried to do and said they would do, they will do. It will happen. How long before the rapture? I don't know. But do you want to live like that? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, along those lines then, and we talked about this as well, is there this notion that we can still hold out hope for this nation? I think that that is the righteous thing to do because God deserves the honor of being trusted in by a people who have hope for even the hopeless things. Okay, but follow a question, second part to that question. Is it plausible then to also conversely say that this is God's way of getting us to let go of this nation. No problem. Okay, but but, but I believe again, my that? posture ought to be that of hoping. My posture ought to hoping be that of what? Hoping that God can revive a nation or he can stave off wickedness for another generation. Let's take that, let's carry that through. Uh, so he revives the nation, uh, then all of a sudden that's a game well, God changer. Could, what, what does God that look could, like? God could do that in any, any number of ways. It, it may not be the revival of a nation. It may, be the, it may be the power plays among the elite and the collapsing of their control in certain countries or regions around the world. We, we don't know. We can't prognosticate. However, I do know that Abraham prayed for Sodom and he said, if there be 50 righteous, and he got all the way down to 10 righteous. And so the attitude of Abraham, the father of our faith is, Lord, would you, could you? And I say, amen, we, we have to, and I want to live with such a hope. And, and I believe so, although quite often, I believe we're beyond repair. Okay. Uh, let's let's uh, let's go with that. So where where do you then reconcile, for lack of a better word, the hope that well maybe there is still hope for us 
Hawaii, the, the United States at all. But yet, I really hope that the Lord comes to take us out of this yeah. world. Where, where's that? How do you reconcile the two? I think you live in that hope. And with that hope, you see, I sometimes try to imagine the way that the ancients expected and hoped in the kingdom of God. Every man will sit under his vine. It, it was a very, it was a picture of the kingdom on earth. We picture the kingdom of God in some ethereal way where we're in robes in heaven. And, and forgive me, I'm, I'm saying that not as in jest, but because that's what comes to mind. We think of being raptured and our colors changing and we're in the presence of the Lord. And then we can't imagine after that. And that's fine because the Bible says, I hasn't seen or near heard it, what the Lord has prepared. But we have a taste of those things. We have the spirit, but we, we look at revelation and, and we, we imagine the streets of gold and, you know, cherubim, though we can't figure out what they look like. And our minds are off there, but the Old Testament saints looked forward to peace on earth. They looked forward to just receiving the fruit of their labors. And, and, and I believe that we will be raptured in that sense. But then what will I inherit on earth? What, what, is, what, am, I, what am I laboring in that God will reward me for? What, and I've wondered at times, what would it be like if what I'm doing for the Lord right now was just glorified and I was, I was made a glorified son of the king and I was, and perhaps, you know, the scripture tells us that the, all creation's waiting for the manifesting of the sons of God. What if you were in your glorified form right now? What would you do? You would do exactly what you want to be doing prior to your glorified form, living out the kingdom of God. Living out, growing in family and loving and dancing and writing worship and, and living out the kingdom of God. We live in the framework of nations and powers, but what about the kingdom of God? Okay. What about the kingdom of God? So your, your words are, you'll forgive me, fighting words, right? Mm, no, so I, I, I'm at explain. war. I don't have uh, my kids didn't have a father. For those two years. Yeah. So, and then, but you went to, you went to battle. Okay for, can we say freedom? Well, that's a tricky question because th that was used against believers when they said, oh, it's just about your rights, they would say. Uh -huh. Just wear the mask. It's not all about you. And people didn't understand that it wasn't a battle about our rights. It was a battle about human rights. Okay. And I believe that's the Christian posture that we ought to have, even if it means persecution. So I think our persecution came at a more, more practically than it did like in a moral or a spiritual sense. The persecution came because we resisted something, some idea that was manifesting itself in the physical world. And that was an evil thing. And that's why people suffered persecution. Some didn't because either being deceived or hoping to be altruistic, they, you know, like a volley of arrows shot across our population. Some were hit and some weren't. And God have mercy, you know, and... and I know what you're talking about. We, and we've talked about that as well. But I want to circle back to uh, your uh, reference to the kingdom, mm. like we talked about uh, prior. When Jesus was on trial... Uh, and was queried concerning him being a king and having a kingdom. And his response was, quote, 
my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, mm-hmm. then my disciples would, and here's that word, fight. Right, right. But, but and so we have to take everything that, not. that I'm saying in the context that I mean a spiritual fight. I mean the, the moral equivalent of being light in a culture. Light is contrary to darkness. Light casts out darkness. The Bible tells us that we do have Paul at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight. And the weapons of our war are not carnal. So the, the fight is that of, of speaking the truth, even if it means being persecuted. And we were persecuted and will continue to be persecuted. That is the resistance, primarily. Um, and I don't know beyond that. I don't know So, But the that. fight slash resistance was for, I'll use a different word than freedom, but it was for, as you say, human rights, okay? Mm. But I'm having difficulty reconciling. Jesus, after he was crucified and resurrected, he had already given instructions to his disciples. Mm. And you're in Jerusalem, and you see these things happen. You get out of there. Now, by the grace of God... Oh, wait. But don't... But then I, let's, let's... Go ahead. Well, Jesus... I, I get to interrupt you a couple well, more times. Well, not too. only was, was that then we'll 40 years later, but Jesus had given warning to his disciples, when you see this, get out of there. Now, mm-hmm. we also believe that applied not only to them at 67 AD, mm-hmm. when Vespasian surrounded Jerusalem and that went on. Uh, it will happen again in the future. Mm-hmm. So the Lord gives us blanket warnings and wisdom. And if he, if he told a group of people, now they were persecuted and they left. When James was beheaded in the book of Acts, before that time even came, persecution came and they left. So many, if you know, most, many of the believers were out of Jerusalem already, but I guarantee you when the Romans surrounded, they said, okay, this is what the Lord was talking about. We better get out of here. And the ones that stayed, the the persecution of the Jews around Jerusalem at that time was in the hundreds of thousands within a week. You know, they they slaughtered them. But because Jesus had given warning, those they had departed. Now, persecution oftentimes spreads the gospel out as it did with Jerusalem. And if not that, his very prophetic words that we say, oh, that was for the Jews. No, that was for the believers. And that's the thing is I don't want to be found unwise or unimpractical when the Lord comes. And that may be years from now. And, you know, I didn't want my kids to, you know, my son went into a music store here and he's just a good, good young man. And, and he went to the desk and he said, I know that you want me to wear a mask, you know, I'll wear one, but I don't have one. And they gave him one and they said, oh, but you have to go outside to put it on. Wow. Now that's funny, but that's psychological abuse. That's, that's instructions to tell you to be stupid. Or the jiu-jitsu club that made the kids roll jiu-jitsu while wearing their masks. See, I don't take kindly to that kind of stuff. That's child abuse. The forcing of kids, oh, you can't go to his football game because you don't have, you know, the code or you got to get a test or you can't do this unless you get that. I don't want any kids to live under that. I don't want them to continue to live under that. I want them to be free. My kids, four of them, have been working in Idaho for the past year, and 
They've worked at probably a combined different total of 11 different restaurants, waiting tables. And my, my daughters make more than union workers when they wait tables sometimes. They come home and they're so blessed. But in all of these 11 places, never once has it even been hinted at or mentioned that they should wear a mask. It's never even been thought of. And I don't want your kids to feel that here. I want them to have a real regular life where it can be had. And we have it. And I want God's sheep to enjoy that. I don't want them to live under the, however long it takes before the rapture. There's life to be had. There's, you know, this thing that happened in the last two years, I thought that's it. And I felt the urgency to go. And I think because the Lord wanted us to go first, and I don't know how long it's going to take. I just want to be found doing something for the sake of the sheep when he comes again. You know, and so it's a migration. It's a, it's a move in that sense. But the fight is, and it's not, the fight is so simple. It's just loving one another. Because when they were canceling you, I told our church, I said, listen, if the world cancels you, you include one another. You become your friend's restaurant, your neighbor's restaurant. You invite yourself into one another's lives. If the world shuts you out, bring one another in. That's the kingdom. The answer to all of it, fight is one word, but loving one another is the same thing in a different sense. The love of many will grow cold. They'll be without natural affection. That happened. You know, you cover up the face. You put on, you know, the disguise. You, you're psychologically, it is, it is impossible not to have something happen in your mind when you put on something that covers a part of your face. They've done studies on this. They separated. They use words that are oxymorons, that are, that are mentally imbalanced so as to trigger a state of hypnosis alone together, social distance. These were psychological operations. And they continue, and you don't have to live under them. And I think it's better for the sheep of the Lord's hand to be free from them. Anybody agree? Yeah. So I wonder if in some ways there's a blurring of the lines between, I'm going to use your reference to human rights uh, on one side of the table, then on the other side of the table, you've got this fight slash resistance for freedom. Okay, just stay with me. So yeah, uh, we didn't hear comply. Uh, the doors of this church were open, as Jesus said. Yeah, praise the Lord, right? When, you know, writing to the church of Philadelphia, if God opens a door, no man shuts it. Mm -hmm. And if God shuts it, no man opens Amen. it. Amen. Okay, done. That's, that file's closed. Um, we, we weren't part of the quote-unquote resistance, okay, uh, we weren't... May I stop you for a second? Because you were. There's the salt and there's the light. Salt you can rub in your fingers. It's tangible. There has to be the physical things. There has to be the voice. And then there's the, the dynamic of the spirit. The truth is going out. Great pains were taken here to make sure the message went out in spite of the censorship. You are part of the battle, J.D. I, you guys don't even know it, 
You're arguing the wrong way, buddy. Let's you're define. in. You're in it. You're in the Let's fight. Define. When you speak truth, yeah. you speak the word of God. That's a sword. What is that? Okay. Is the sword not fighting? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't the Lord call us to contend earnestly for the faith? You contended, mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. You're part of the fight. We're not alone. You know, we fought and we fought as one body of Christ. Those who stay by the baggage share in the wards of those who go out to the fight. There's a oneness that we recognize that the kingdom is not of this world. It's not flesh and blood. But what is the manifestation of the spiritual kingdom but that of the believers together? And behold how good and pleasant it is. Okay, I want to, this is what I was saying about blurring the lines, okay? It, it, that, that's too... Uh, ambiguous mm. for me. Okay, uh, yeah, you're part of the resistance. You didn't even know it. You're you're part of the fight. You didn't even know it. Wait, not so fast. Uh, we just did what God commanded us to do in not forsaking the fellowship of the saints. We didn't do it under the banner of resistance. We did it under the banner of obedience. Is that fair? It is fair. Okay, I'll take it further. May I? Uh, so, uh, you know, may I interject then? Yeah, go ahead. The the Christians in the New Testament, (laughs) the Christians in the New Testament, when they were told to take a pinch. Oh, Caesar. Yeah. To Caesar. They did it not as an act of resistance, but as act of worship. They did it as an act of worship, but it looked like an act of resistance. And that's why they were martyred. They weren't martyred for obeying the Lord. They were martyred for disobeying the state. So in Acts, and we, you and I... From, the, Acts, from Rome's perspective, but yeah. not from their perspective. Uh-huh. They were martyred because they wouldn't say Caesar is Lord. Right. It's two, I would say it's two sides of the same coin in, in okay, some so way. So the godly, those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay, I got that. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Acts, you and I parroted this uh, throughout the last, it's been three years, by the way, not two, just so we're clear. Yeah, it's been so long. It's been three years. Yeah. Three years, not two. Uh, This is a thing, by the way. That's exactly what I'm saying, though. Three years is going to turn to four and five and six and seven. And where are you going to be? So, but you and I... Sorry, I went back to it. You and I were singing the same song about... Uh, we will obey God rather than men. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking not again about resistance. I'm talking about obedience. I see what you're saying about from Rome's perspective, they had disobeyed and were defying the laws and commands, if you will, of Rome. But their, their banner, their standard was not we're going to fight no. and resist and uh, defy. No, it wasn't. No, our, their banner was what our banner is. We're going to obey God, come what may. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bend the knee. I'm not going to pinch to Caesar. I'm not going to bow to this image. Uh, and then, of course, they're sent into the fiery furnace, a type actually of the seven-year tribulation, Daniel, a type mm-hmm. of the rapture pre-furnace. But uh, what they said to uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was, if you, uh, you know, you can do this and so be it. 
and the, if the, the, the Lord will, will deliver us, but if he doesn't, it's akin to uh, Esther with Mordechai. Karen, that's the Arab uh, pronunciation, right? I'm sorry. Karen, Bud's wife, precious wife is here. She, she corrects me all the time, uh, you know, as my Jewish sister in Christ. It's okay if I do this? Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, a number of years ago, she was listening to me on the radio and she uh, uh, made a comment. She said, uh, JD, I didn't know that the Old Testament, uh, you know, names were uh, all pronounced in uh, the Arab dialect. <laughs> you were talking about Mordechai, right? How, how do you say it? Yechevet. Yochebet. Oh, excuse me. So sorry. How, how would you Let's say? say That's how you pronounce it? In the Mordechai. So we're okay. We're good on that. More Mordechai. Who, who was it we had an issue with? Oh, Moses' mom. How did I pronounce it? Don't, don't say it. It was Yachbet. That's uh, Arabic, right? Yeah. Yochebet. Oh, of course, that's the inspired pronunciation, the Hebrew. <laughs> anyway, so we're okay, right? We're good. We have the peace agreement right here, the Jews and the Arabs right here. So anyway, back to our uh, argument, I mean discussion already in progress. Um, do you see where I'm going with this, bud? I, I do mean, understand I just... it, I, and I take it into account, but then... Sometimes I think, well, we use those examples because Christianity and Rome, they were just birthed. They, they weren't, they, they, they never had secured a, a, a government or had come into, they, they didn't have the same context as we did or say Martin Luther in those years or the Old Testament. You know, there, there's different contexts of histories where we live out our faith, even as there are different cultures in the world today that a Christian lives out their faith. See, a, a Chinese Christian in Hong Kong is going to have a whole different context for the way they live out their faith than um, somebody living in Hawaii or somebody in Canada or somebody in Spain or in Africa. Every culture is different. So we can't just put a, a blanket thing and say, well, that's, that's what that means because they didn't do it in the first century church. What has God given us? I, I mean, it, not that we shouldn't. We look to it as an example, but I think, well, what is the context of our lives? What have we been given? So that's the tricky thing is it's not, it's not nationalism in the sense, well, we're going to take our nation. No, it's God's given a sacred space where human rights are defined by our founding documents as having come from God. And that governments are established to protect those God-given rights. And then we have a, a, a further column around that says, here are the particular rights and the rights of different states. Okay, yeah. So, but we've been given that, but a Chinese Christian hasn't been given that. How do we take what God's given us and live it? What does it look like? I, I don't want to be found faithless when it comes to the context that we live in. What, what we can do is something different than what a Pakistani Christian can do or a Cuban Christian, you know. So, what does it mean for me as a, as a Christian that lives in these United States? So that kind of uh, 
dovetails into something we, we uh, uh, talked about and uh, we're planning to address tonight. And that is the whole, uh, can I call it Americanism? Yeah. The America gospel, the Republican gospel, the Fox News gospel, the conservative gospel. And that, that delineation that we talked about where, you know, we, we've been so divided, these United States. Uh, and again, Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand, right? Well, I was making reference to how the founders referred to our countries because each state was meant to have a national sovereignty. Mm -hmm. The first governors weren't called governors, they were called presidents. The, the First Amendment was written because each state had their own church. Congress shall make, the federal government, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment. So nine of the original 13 colony states, they had established their denomination because, you know, all religion was just different denominations of Christianity. So the, the, the rights sort of we have been defined for us that we have a government that ought to be upholding its duty to protect our Romans rights. 13. And we have to address, mm -hmm. we have to air grievances if they do not. In fact, in the declaration, it says it, it is their duty to sh throw off such right. shackles. So I, I don't want to miss that. I want to find the right thing to do as a Christian. I don't know exactly what it is. This is the tension. But in the meantime... Okay. What do you say to someone who asks this question... If my rights come from the government, then does that not put them in the position that should be occupied by God alone? You follow me? In other words, if, if the government can give it, the government can taketh away. But if my, my rights, my freedom uh, comes from God, then it's hands off corrupt government who has not upheld that which the government is to uphold. I mean, we're so far away oh, yeah. from, and it's so foreign to what you're describing. It might as well be la la land because mm -hmm. that's what it is. It does not represent well, anything. The church, we reality. have to be the conscience for the state. We have but, to. But then we're looking to now. Not so because the state is our, our Lord, but because the state is our steward. Our, we're stewards of that. So if they've that. abdicated their, their stewardship uh, we, we have to at least say something. Okay. You know, and to whatever, if, you know, years ago when I ran for office the first time, I heard a statistic that one out of four Christians votes. And I thought, well, that's the problem. I thought, well, I'll run for office because it's probably just the right thing to do. I mean, it's not a savory business. What do they say about politics? That politicians in diapers have to be changed often and for the same reason. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, why get involved in politics? Well, why do you flush your toilet? <laughs> you, why, do you, why do you pick up your socks? Why do you take care of your community? Well, it's because it's the right thing to do. Can we talk about uh, that for a moment? We don't put our hope in politics. Okay, but let's, can we talk about voting and oh, elections? Well, the, and, it, no? It, even if uh, the system is so far corrupted, there's still hope in God. We have to, 
we still have to use the things that we've been given. I don't fully trust the voting system in the United States. I see what's going on. I see what's gone on. I've seen the lack of prosecution of those who are criminals in this uh, this uh, these last couple of elections. And I wonder if there's hope. And yet I think, what would the Lord have me do to be a faithful steward of the talents or the gifts, the heritage that we've been given? And that means I have to hope because I don't want to lose hope. And that means I have to engage. Uh, May I draw upon an analogy, an often used analogy of the uh, deck furniture on the Titanic. Sure. Can I liken America, the voting uh, system, the electoral system, can I liken it to the Titanic and those uh, who are trying to keep it afloat would be akin to those on the Titanic rearranging the deck furniture. In other words, the fate's already been sealed, the ship's going down, and God's like, hey, uh, you want to keep this thing on life support? And I, uh, I, 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 I <laughs> but again, I, this is good, rod sharpening rod, iron sharpening iron, and the countenance of a brother, you know, to a brother. But um, I shared recently that I got out of the game. And, with, I, and I mean this, and the Lord knows my heart when I say this, I, with all due respect to you, because you've been in that world, and I have a great degree of admiration for you. But when you make a comment like, I lost confidence in the voting system of this country. Not in all parts. But wait. But just, if, if you've lost confidence in one, like if you've broken one of the commands, you've broken the whole thing. So trust is sacred. If trust has been broken, then, and can I just add one thing to that, and then I'll just let you take it and go, and you can you say whatever you want and be mean to me, and that's fine. I can take it, brother. Um, <laughs> You're voting for candidate A yeah. and for candidate B, okay? And you're putting your hope in candidate A. And what you don't see is behind the scenes, behind the curtain, backstage, they're toasting a glass of champagne because they're two wings on the same bird, the same phoenix rising from the ashes, order out of chaos. They're on the same team. It's all part of the script. And the whole purpose of that is to divide and conquer. So if they can divide us, uh, and Satan knows the scripture better than any of us ever will, uh, house divided cannot stand. So if he can divide us, Republican against Democrat, left against right, conservative against liberal, we're done. It's game over. It's lights out. And that's where we're at right now. And that's why I had on here one of the topics I wanted to uh, address, and that is the role of politics in the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to delineate this, the role of the church in politics. Because to me, it does seem that God is saying, when are you going to get out of the game? Mm -hmm. It's a game. It's just a game. It's all theater. It's a script. I, I, I picture, and I actually have 
uh, documented photos and videos uh, archived. Uh, and these guys are all uh, chumming it up, you know, backstage. I mean, they're best buds. No, uh, that's a poor choice of words. Uh, they're best friends. Is that better? <laughs> That was a, not intentional. That was a low blow, no, was, I mean, Come on. <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift. No. But you see what I'm saying? But I mean, I do. it's like. I do. It's, so, you know, I remember. I never in my life thought that I would be an optimist compared to somebody else. Oh. I'm one of the greatest Is pessimists. Is that a compliment? There. Is that a compliment? Well, I can't, you know, I can't believe it. Don't, I mean, don't you read? The Old Testament? Don't you see the 185,000 surrounding the city? Don't you read Hezekiah and, and Isaiah? Don't you believe that God can spare you mean a Jeremiah. remnant? I read Jeremiah too. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, take, take that further. Where are you going with that? Well, I don't want to live like that. Because I believe that God deserves the honor of people that believe that he can spare a nation. Oh, wait, you're talking about when uh, Hezekiah was king and the angel slew the 185. Yeah, the Syrians were surrounding the city. I mean, they you're were... You're talking about when Jeremiah, when they were surrounding the, uh, uh, the Babylonians were surrounding the no. city. Okay. But you I, know, they fought and Jeremiah said, don't right. fight. I, I, I do. I know that. <laughs> We can do that one if you want instead, but because that supports my... Uh, I, I parry your thrust, brother, because we, <laughs> we think of Jonah who went to the Ninevites. Okay. Who were beyond hope. We were beyond hope. You know, I don't want to act in such a way or pastor in such a way or live in such a way. You know, it's an amazing thing when you see some of the heartland when there's still some salt in this nation. There's salt in Hawaii. And the rapture may come tonight or it may come years from now. I know it doesn't seem possible because do you, of the... Do you, uh, can, can I uh, ask you to just expound on that real quick? I don't want to derail uh, where, where maybe the Lord wants this conversation to go, but because um, you mentioned that upstairs about, uh, you know, we could have many years. How do you see that as possible? I don't, but I didn't see it as possible when I was 11. Nobody did. No, but every pastor, but the, right every now, conference, I know, I know. But it's, so you, you even told we me. We have been talking about the one world government for 45 okay. years. But you told me, you made a very interesting comment to me, by the way, this, this brother is, uh, uh, I have such a love for Bud. We've had uh, phone conversations uh, recently, actually, where he just came alongside me uh, and uh, just really had a word fitly spoken for me. And I, I will never forget that. But you made a comment that I thought was very uh, apropos. You said, you know, a lot of the pastors are still uh, pastoring like it's 2018. And what your point was, is that we don't live in that world anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you were 11, we don't, that world's gone. It's never coming back. Oh, don't I know it. Uh, th that's what you were saying, right? Well, what I was saying is that 
You know, the pandemic program that we underwent, to me, the only way to address it was to put on the armor of Christ and, and go to spiritual war with thoughts and ideas and, you know, principles or principalities. And, and it's, but it takes a voice. It takes stepping out there so that those who don't know where to go can see the contrast. You know, so... I'm hopeful for revival. I want to see it, though, come in a form of reformation. You know, I heard a pastor years ago talking about revival and reformation are different. He says, revival is just a renewing of the things that are. And I don't necessarily want a revival of the things that were prior to the pandemic. Our church saw a new zeal in my own life, and I saw it in so many hundreds of others, and it was the zeal that comes with an understanding that the enemy is nearby and that there is persecution at the gates and there, there is a need to live all out for the Lord because it may cost you everything and yet you're thrilled to do it because the Lord will see you through. You know, and, and it was the testing of our faith like Peter talks about proving, you know, these fiery trials and... And so, but that came with a sense that we have to get up every day and recognize there is a spiritual battle. My own desire to seek my own, you know, you know, things of 2010 or, you know, I've been in the church, like church in the 80s, you know, I've seen and I've loved it all. But what now? Do we go on and go, well, let's go back to business as usual. We're going to have church and I'm going to go to once a week. no. When everybody couldn't work and our churches were and still are, praise God, to a large extent, filled with people knowing that they could be arrested and taken to jail for one year or a $5,000 fine, there was an intensity of worship because it was forbidden. And that persecution did good for our souls, but the activity that, and I saw it because I remember somebody you know, some pa a pastor that opposed my opinion or view that I, I felt like we have to speak out as soon as possible, as early as possible, because the sooner you comply with, you know, because you could see it was a symphony of lies, not just one or two, but a whole orchestra of lies on every different level. And the sooner that you cut through that and say, you know what, I don't believe any of them. This thing's a sham. Whole thing. You're going out on a limb. They're going to call you this, that, and the other. But I felt like the sooner that's done, the better, because... Well, another minister said, no, we just, we're doing everything. We're complying and everybody has me mask and we separate and they do the, the, the chairs and they make assignments online. They go online and we do extra services and they sit around and we have social distancing and hand social distancing and we scan the thing and we, you know, and they, you know, and, and if one person, they said, if one person felt comfortable enough to hear the gospel, then it would be worth it. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe you're right. That, that is a, that is a perspective that I do not share, but I'm, I'm hopeful that you're right because I hope that one person would get saved. But my tack was, if you sound a lot like the world around, the world that is curious about the truth is going to recognize that you sound exactly like the narrative. So the churches that stood up and just spoke out against it were churches that people flocked to and they said, that's where I want to go. Mm. And that was here. 
that was where we were, and that's with me. Yeah, personally. And, but that speaking goes out into the world. It goes out either whether it's on a march. We saw so many people get saved or get back with the Lord because they were able to meet others that... You're talking about the Aloha Freedom Coalition? Yeah. Partly. And, and through other things. And just mm-hmm. through the, the fellowship of sufferings. I mean, we saw more baptisms in one year than we saw in 15 mm-hmm. years or 10 years. <laughs> and, and I just was praising the Lord. And I hope that each one of them continues to grow yeah. in, in the faith. And so we saw good things. And, and so we were delighted to do that speaking. Okay. But I want to, um, uh, I knew flight time was just going to get away from us. I want to uh, just kind of zero in on uh, this notion of, as you mentioned, revival and hope. And, mm. you know, you brought up Jonah and that's fine. Um, you know, uh, I, I get why you would make that uh, comparison, draw that, that parallel. I mean, he was actually angry with God when Nineveh repented. He was actually angry with God because there's, you know, he didn't want them to repent, right? So anyway, that's another topic for another time. But uh, as as it's kind of rolling around in my mind, I think of it like what's happening right now. We're going to talk about this on Sunday in the Prophecy Update, the Asbury Revival. A lot of talk about that, right? At first glance, it's like, wow, praise the Lord. But upon closer examination, you realize, wait a minute. This is their ninth revival, by the way, that they scheduled. Um, Do you realize that the new apostolic reformation, NAR, we've talked about this before, right? Uh, It's the false teaching. I'm just going to call it what it is. Uh, It's the false teaching that uh, there has to be this great awakening, this, this, uh, you know, revival, uh, and this, um, and by the way, the great awakening is the new age, age of Aquarius. It's also, They were, that was Age of Aquarius, the 70s? Yeah. This but is this, the, but, but, they were singing about that 50 years ago. Yeah, but this, we're in the Age of Pisces. But the new Great Awakening right. is the new age. It's this utopia, this Great Awakening. And it's, it's to, uh, to basically usher in. And it's, it's all under the guise of, and, and it's roommates with, dominion theology, which says Christians need to take dominion over the seven mountain mandate in every arena of life, uh, politics, education, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then Jesus can come back. So if that's your, your false doctrine and theology and eschatology, then wouldn't it stand to reason that you would manufacture said revival in order to support and keep alive uh, 
your false narrative, your false teaching. It's false. There's no great awakening. There's no great revival. In fact, it's the opposite. Paul writing to Timothy, it's going to be a departing from the faith. I'm not tolerating of sound doctrine. I'm not talking 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. You all know that, and you have the scars to prove that. <laughs> We've talked about that. Uh, it's not, that's the first letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. That's not the falling away. That's the catching away. That's the rapture in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. We're good on that, right? Oh, we agree. Yeah, okay. Praise the Lord. We agree on something. So, well, you remember when I explained yeah. it to you a couple yeah. of years ago, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it no, took we, hours. I, I, it was like a half a day. I'm like, no, yeah, JD, it's, stop. It's, yeah, okay. it's the apostasis. Right. It's the standing okay. apart. Don't okay, believe that. That's, I'll give the you first that eight translations of the Bible yeah. into English, it was departure, yeah. not yeah. apostasy. And then the Roman... No, I'm just kidding. It was actually Andy Woods. We, nice try. <laughs> we both came to that conclusion yeah, independently actually, and through right. our own study. and. Yeah. Yeah. So. so, but my point was, is that when you start talking about, you know, there's still hope. We can, I beg you, please, I beseech you, brethren, <laughs> um, make America great again is synonymous with the Lord delayeth his coming. Do you know Why? because of this false teaching that there has to be revival before Jesus can come back. We have to make America great again before Jesus can come back. We have to get our guy in office again before Jesus can come back. I'm sorry. Do you want to close in prayer and abruptly leave? <laughs> I mean, can, can you just... Yeah, let, let, me, let me ask correct this, me, though. Correct me. I'm, I'm correct. Regardless of, of those movements, mm -hmm. is there any other hope at all than true revival? No, or wait, wait. Or okay. reformation? So in spite of the claim of some that maybe you know, manufactured or not, I don't know, but I'm always hopeful. Um, well, I don't want to see things. emotional, yeah. I don't want to see yeah. emotionalism. Yeah. I don't want to see a revival of the same old that, that was ensnared by the COVID narrative. <laughs> I want to see a reformation. I want to see a transformation of people's lives. And that is a hope for our nation. Okay. God can oh, do that. Can. And so I have to hope can. in that. Because I hope in the Lord. Wait, so if you hope in that, I hope in the Lord. Okay, but I hope in the Lord's power to do that, and I don't side, deviate but. from that hope because, because I've been around for every counterfeit thing that's happened for the past fifty plus years, and I'm not saying Asbury is one or the other. I'm just saying it I am, doesn't. By the way, just to it go on doesn't the eliminate the. The, hope, the Christian heart is a hopeful heart. We know that God can do, I mean, that's how we feel about our neighbors, right? Your, your relatives, you go, there's no hope for him. Oh, but I know there's hope for him because <laughs> I know the one who is hope, right? We still hope for them, not because we yeah. hope in their behavior, because their behavior is killing us. It's hurting us. But what we hope in is the power of God, right? Okay. And so if we do that for our friends and our family and our neighbor, that ought to be the general disposition of, of believers for even a nation, I believe. Okay. 
I think in some ways we might be saying the same thing in a different way, perhaps. However, <laughs> um, let's take this notion that, okay, so there's still hope. Um, we just, we need to uh, stand our ground, right? Is that okay? Are we good so far? We need to fight for the we shouldn't faith. Pass, we shouldn't pass opportunities that glorify God in the standing for the heritage that he gave us. If, if there is an action that Christians can take, whether it's civil or judicial or any kind of strategy that seeks to preserve any f hope for a younger generation growing up and being able to hear the gospel of Christ and grow in those things, yes, we ought to do those things become, I, I, this is the distinction, I don't believe that we should become Christian activists, but I believe that we should become activated Christians. That's and, That's and I've just from my whole life, I've seen many believers are, they love the Lord, but they're not activated. They, they're they, resigned to, they, the, the, that's the guy that does the ministry and we put the money in the bag and that he's the minister. No, you're all We ministers. don't have a bag here, by the way. I just want to go on the record with that. <laughs> so, that, I believe, is a thrilling life to be activated. And okay. even if it's not in the forefront of a battle, that same mentality and attitude goes toward your family, toward your children or your aunts or uncles, or even the, the venture that you've put yourself in or the job, the workplace that you have as a mission field. You now approach all of those things with the thrill and the knowledge that there is hope. And okay. I'm going to be an activated Christian and I'm going to do all I can to shine in the darkness. And if that means verbally, yes. But if it means walking or, or acting out or giving or supporting, those things are, are a thrill. And it's easy to do because <laughs> so you're living out your faith. Let's, uh, this is a, a perfect uh, uh, transition. That's not a good word to use these days either. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a good segue into, uh, I think, uh, uh, a point to kind of sum everything up. We were talking about our, our young uh, children, yes. uh, young in the sense of they, they have their whole life ahead of them. And here we are, uh, you know, hey, you know, son, daughter, um, you know, the rapture can happen at any time. And they're like, well, <laughs> great. You know, you've lived your life and, you know, here we are, we're, we, we've got our whole life ahead of us. And, and uh, can I just uh, maybe address that and then I'll uh, pass it over to you uh, real quick. Mm. Okay. We got uh, six minutes. Here we go. You ready? Yes. Okay. So if I give my children a false hope that, hey, I can make your life better here, yet I see what's on the, quote, prophetic horizon. Uh, that's disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst. And even worse yet, what I'm actually saying to them is, I want you to get an education. I want you to have a career. I want you to get married. I want you to have children, because I want grandchildren, uh, of course. But here's the however. Um, wouldn't it be better if I gave them the hope you talk about 
being your hope is not in this world or the things of this world. It's dying. It's passing away. And uh, if you're going to put your ladder up against that wall, it's going to fall. And it's already falling. So I, I want you to transfer your hope from this world and the things of this world to your blessed hope in the next. Uh, one of the conversations I have with my uh, sons and my daughter, who's going to be 16. <laughs> Jesus, come quickly, please. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No wonder. You've already no, been there. You're, you're ready to yeah, go. No wonder I want the rapture right now, right? You, you've already, yeah, whatever, bud. That's fine. We, we had our girls first, and now, now our boys are yeah. coming along. How old's your oldest? Uh, 22. Yeah. I need, 23 yeah. now. Yeah. Notice I check. I checked the the file yeah. over there. Yeah, she needed to get verification. She gave me the. Yeah, she gave you the, the signal. Yeah. Okay, twenty three. So uh, my point is this. Uh, you know, I, I say well, if, to my if, if sons, I can touch on that because you know that the idea I gave an illustration on Sunday night when I was at my dad's church ministering and and you know you say heads up to a crowd of people and everybody does one of two things. You know, a few people will look up and they'll heads up. And then everybody else looks down and they covers their head. And there's like these two reactions. And I was saying, you know, when the rapture, the blessed hope and lifting up your heads. That's a euphemism in the scripture of uh, lift up my countenance, Lord. It's, a, it's an attitude of living. It's not go out in the field and look up into the sky with a white robe like some false teachers have in the past. They're, the reaction of the rapture shouldn't be having our heads in the clouds in a sense, you know, I don't believe in that saying, you're too heavenly minded to be earthly good. Yeah. I think that the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you actually are. And so, but at the same time, we have to live in hope because even though, you know, all the things you said are true, they're going to work tomorrow. Okay, good. Thank you. Can I continue? Yeah. Okay, good. So they go to work tomorrow. Go to work tomorrow. Yeah, I, I want to uh, further my education. Further your education. Uh, I want to get married and have children. Absolutely, because I want grandchildren, right? Um, but uh, how do you know that when you get married and if you have children, even if you can have children, you're making assumptions that may not have their basis in reality. You're assuming the best. And that is inherently flawed in the sense that you're saying to them, I want you to have hope in this life. No, you're not saying that well, at no, all. No, wait. But you are if you're saying, hey, yeah, you've got your whole life ahead of you. What I want to say and have said to my children is, yeah, do it go for it, because when, not if, the rapture happens, whatever you're doing here will have implications for all of eternity. Exactly. People don't realize that. Do it for the glory of God, right. so that you might be found doing, yeah. praying, worshiping, yeah. witnessing, mm -hmm. battling, resisting. He's, it won't be revealed until he who is restraining is taken out of the way. 
the scripture seems to indicate that when we are raptured, we are in some form or role of restraining, restraining. The, the evil one. Well, sure. what does that look like? That's the fight. That's Second the battle. That's, so that whenever they do what they do, whether mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. you know, working a job or starting a business or getting married or falling in love, that all of that living is for the glory of the Lord. Lord. So that when he comes for us, he founds us taking all the talents that he's given Mm -hmm. us to invest and doing it for the glory of God. Yeah, you just actually made my whole point with that last... uh, Because we agree on everything. It's like we've been saying the exact same thing. It's amazing. How could two walk together lest they be agreed, I guess, right? Well, we're well, that's, that's, let's ask them a question. Do, do you guys we're asking do, them a question? Yeah, now? Do, do we agree on everything, or are there contrasts? Yeah. Well, that sounds like there's contrasts, and we agree on everything. Yeah, you shouldn't have asked the question. I think <laughs> we, we were doing great. We should have quit while we were ahead. <laughs> but we're, we are out of time. It's eight thirty, and I know that uh, we could go much longer. I know you could go much longer. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do this again? We need to do this again. Yeah? I would love to do this again. Okay, well, then, then uh, let's do it if we're, if the Lord... If we're still here. Yeah, okay, good. We'll do it in hope. <laughs> all right. Hey, let's stand. I'll pray. We'll have Capona come up and we'll close. Thank you all so much for uh, coming tonight. I hope you were blessed, encouraged, challenged. Yeah? No? <laughs> do you want to close us in prayer? I would be honored to. Okay. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Lord, as we seek out, Lord, your will for us in these last days, we pray that whatever we do and all that we do would be for the glory of God, that the name of Jesus would be magnified, that every knee, Lord, would be given an opportunity to bow before that great day of judgment. And Lord, we pray that you would redeem us. I think of your word, Lord, it tells us that you know how to save your people. The spirit and the bride, Lord, you tell us, say, come. And whether our attitude is hunkering or pressing, May our voice be the same, that of come. May we be a body of believers that is open-armed, open-armed and welcoming and inviting and saying to the world, come out from this system. Come out from this world. Come out from the mindset. Come out of this Babylon. Come out of this Antichrist system and come into the sweet fellowship of God's saints. We, the church, the body of Christ, Lord, down through the ages, your bride. May we be found white when you come. May we be found pure. Lord, if tonight, even now, those who are here need a cleansing and a washing so that they would be ready for your coming and ready, Lord, for the ministry that you've given until that time. I just pray that you would wash. And in Jesus' name, let them come to that place of forgiveness. And tonight we commit ourselves into your hands and to one another that we might be your lights in this dark world. Come again, Lord. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And God's people said, Maranatha.
Amen. All right.